All right, welcome back to another episode. And welcome back again, champ. The Great Awakening map is the quintessential red pill navigational chart for escaping the matrix and returning to source. Each day, maps continually ship around the world to awaken countless new minds in every country. The map has been spotted on 8chan in accompaniment with QMAP and it has several, uh, I'm sorry, has served a vital role in the Great Awakening and full disclosure movement across the entire globe. Over a decade of metaphysical research was collected prior to the map's release in mid-2018. Its continual design is produced and updated by Art House, the award-winning international artist and researcher, Champ Perina. Welcome back, Champ. This is your second episode. Thanks again for joining us. It's my most popular episode. Again, thank you again. Love having you on. Thank you. Welcome. How are you doing tonight? Thank you so much for having me back. Very nice intro, Float Universe. I'm really honored to be back here. There's a lot of people who have favorited our interview together and people still continue reposting it every day. So I'm glad to be doing a part two episode for those fans of ours. You know, thank you again. It, it's been, uh, I've, that's one of my favorite ones to actually listen to myself. And it was, uh, I didn't have to do much editing to that one. So yeah, thanks again. People love it. There's so much on the poster. I feel like I could talk to you until the Great Awakening. I mean, I don't know if it's ever going to stop happening, but <laughs> as these things can, at least Q, I think there's a time limit to Q, at least maybe the next four years if Trump gets reelected. But uh, the next three months or less than three months running up to the election, I think it's going to be critical. I've become, in a way, and I didn't want to, but just my curiosity with the time travel and Q has just got me on this. I've been interviewing all these people and going down these rabbit holes and I've become people's Q news in a way on Instagram and now with the podcast. So you're a big part of that too uh, as a part of the, the awakening movement. So yeah, man. So for the people who didn't listen to the other episode, which I please highly recommend you do because we talk about so many things that you're not going to get on this episode. We talked about a lot of the moon stuff, a lot of the Saturn stuff, and I think we're not even going to talk about that tonight. So please go listen to the other episode. Uh, but for the, for the uninitiated, tell us about, uh, just real quick, uh, what's the map all about? Uh, just like our interview, I designed the map to be sort of like an out-of-place out of artifact in time. It's just this art piece that can literally take somebody to hyperdimensional realms just from the information it contains. And although it has a lot of darkness and political... Um, conspiracy truths. Uh, these dark topics are designed to propel somebody toward the light because uh, you cannot just teach somebody enlightenment without showing them the darkness that they need to overcome in their life and to overcome on a, on a level of the entire entirety of humanity. So the Great Awakening map um, has been designed to lead somebody out of darkness and into full enlightenment um, in one single lifetime. And there are spiritual techniques and spiritual teachings found on the map that literally can change somebody's body into pure rainbow light upon death, um, thereby escaping samsara, escaping the matrix. So the secrets in the map are designed to literally let you escape the matrix. And Fighting this type of information is based on your karmic energy from this life and past lives. So somebody who's able to quickly find the path to enlightenment means that they've, they've already done good deeds 
in prior lives to be able to handle the type of high consciousness knowledge that's available um, in the map to allow somebody to pursue the path of enlightenment or toward a more, I guess, higher consciousness, spiritual awakening. Um, most people would know it from those terms. Uh, so hopefully a lot of your audience has already seen the map, greatawakeningmap.co. They can follow along as we cover a lot of topics that uh yeah that's another thing for sure you should have your map out while you're listening to this episode if you don't have a map go to the go to the uh, website and you can download a high-res version and uh, look at it there and follow along and so you know a, a good question i have for you here is actually from the audience and on instagram i said ask a question tonight this one is from space love transmissions the question is what was the process for converting abstract and intuitive data into a logical linear format? How do you reconcile the conundrum of trying to fit something infinitely expansive and ultimately ineffable into something finite and translatable? Oh, I've, I've had so many types of questions like this and some really funny ones. People think like I'm an alien or yeah. a, a time traveler, but I mean, thank you, but I'm just a simple messenger. Uh, I've been a researcher for 10 years. And as an artist, designer slash researcher, uh, over those 10 years, I had a lot of time to think about how I would compile all of the metaphysical consciousness knowledge into something that I could use to awaken the world. So um, 10 years flew by and in mid 2018, that's when I really sat down. I was living in Orange County at the time and I sat down in my art studio and I was like, okay, I have to design something that will awaken the world as quickly as possible. And there was just so much knowledge that was, that was new pertaining to Q and the secret space program. And I had also had these amazing psychedelic experiences uh, throughout my art career. I was, a psychedelic visionary artist. So I was trying to combine everything into a sort of simple mouthpiece of showing somebody these hyperdimensional realms as well as waking them up to like secret space program and these topics that didn't seem like people would even understand how they connect it all. So I made an intention, sort of like an, a channeling intention to my higher self. And I basically said, okay, higher self, higher mind, please help me channel everything that I've learned in the past 10 years. I need to make a one-page meme that will awaken humanity as quickly as possible. And over the course of a weekend, I was able to get the layout down and design the entire map. And then it took me about a week of revisions to finally release the first draft, which I released on Instagram, sort of just quietly, didn't nobody really knew what it was at first but um all of that story that i just told you it couldn't have happened without my experiences with dmt and psychedelics and shrooms um when your mind is in the higher dimensional realms you have these sort of visions or you sort of have like these boosts of confidence that you get from from meditating in these higher dimensional realms and to create the map was something that these realms would taunt me with. They are sort of like 
if you want to change the world, you have to create an out-of-place artifact. You have to place an art piece in the middle of the world that doesn't look like anything surrounding it. So I had to think about this. And the, the meme was, was the most effective way of communicating information at this time. And as you know, I call you the meme god. So you obviously already know the power of the meme and its idiosyncrasies that allow it to enter the human consciousness very quickly, conveying a lot of information. And um, the map and my, my, whole, um, my whole reason for creating it was to literally create oop art, out of place artifact that stood the test of time, literally as, as in hyperdimensional timelessness. That's an, yeah, that's an interesting, you didn't bring that up last time, which was this, yeah, this D, I guess this is a DMT inspired mega meme. And uh, you, you didn't use the terminology, I guess this, this time that you use, or you didn't use it the last time this time, which is like really cool. But uh, we didn't really talk too much about DMT either last time, which is interesting, but I guess, so DMT is, been a big inspiration in the in the terms of this poster coming together and uh right um before the poster was created i had an entire art career in los angeles um contemporary artist but i was creating these landscapes of the hyperspace and i was showing them in a contemporary art context a lot of people didn't really even understand where i was getting this type of information to, to create these landscapes um not unless somebody else was a psychedelic explorer, for example, they would understand the term hyperspace and the sort of abstract realms I was creating. And this, uh, this art period of my, of my design career um, came before the map. So I was really into sharing and talking about DMT, but this was before my Instagram got popular. So I didn't really have a mouthpiece at all to communicate my psychedelic experiences. That's why I had to like try to like show my, my visions in the art world. But as you know, the art world is filled with a lot of people who haven't sort of awakened to the metaphysical nature of our reality. So I was just basically talking to people who were just interested in the aesthetics of it or maybe the art historical context, you know, mm -hmm. art world stuff. And I didn't get the sort of reception that I kind of envisioned. But once I started using the Great Awakening map and in my Instagram to talk about all of the metaphysical research that I've been able to study for the past 10 years, that's when a lot of people started to wake up. And that's when I was able to use my art and design background to finally influence the public. So it had to come through the meme first. It couldn't have came through art because it was art is sort of like its own it has too, its own too biases. People, yeah people are gonna come to it with what only with what they can bring but with the meme for example like especially your memes um, your memes can remain as this out-of-place artifact that can always be pumping out information no matter what time period it will be accessed and the types of information that your memes are able to um, to implant in people's consciousness 
it's like continuous. Like for example, you'll post something that's very funny and I'll laugh and I'll like it. And then I even may make a comment. And then the next day I'll start to think about it and then I'll be like, oh my goodness, he was actually talking about something else entirely different. And then the next week I'll go back and look at it again within the context of the other memes you posted that day. And then I'll just be like, holy moly, he was talking about something even more incredible than I first saw. Uh, yeah, you get it. You know, and I yeah. It because yeah. Your, memes are, your memes are like therapeutic, you know, for, for me. I, I just, I, I'm, I'll I'm glad you see the layers. And I'll just be like, I'll just have so much humor and knowledge at the same time. And it's just, it's therapeutic. I love it. Oh, You're the meme god. <laughs> well, thank. Well, there you go. You're the manifestation of that in reverse. So, so you got this great poster. It's got literally every conspiracy theory in the world on it uh, for the uninitiated. Please, hopefully, hey, you have this when you're listening to this podcast out, or you're familiar with it. So we're just going to switch gears out of that because if you want the the background on this really deep, go listen to the other podcast. Um, we, I don't want to waste time with that. We're going to go right into something here. Here's another one. This is a great question. I like the way this is kind of spelled out here in the question here. This is from Earthling, nine six three. It says, yeah, speak to this. It's a billion-year-old satanic AI that goes from planet to planet, destroying civilizations and harvesting energy. Put it together. The clones, the terraforming, and other, utter complete lack of empathy in all those infested with the AI. Hashtag real parasites. Hashtag black eye club. Hashtag skexies. I guess that's from the dark crystal. It says, these elite are infested slash hollow bodies slash shells inhabited by this non-human force. They suck your essence from your fear. They, hashtag Anukai slash or hashtag reptilians, keep you in fear and in low vibrational states to harvest the energy. Dark Crystal, the original Jim Hansen, tells the story quite well and quite literally. Does any of that resonate with you? <laughs> True, all of the above. Next is, question. Is there a satanic AI that goes from planet to planet destroying civilizations? Isn't there, isn't yes. there something like that on your map? There is. This is a really big topic on the upper left of my map. It's called ancient artificial intelligence. And it's been around for trillions of years. It's sort of the antagonist to God, however you want to label God. Right. Um, when, when the artificial intelligence signal infests lower dimensional beings, such as the reptilians, the reptilians, as you know, are at the top of the pyramid of the Illuminati cabal deep state. So the, in, the, the reptilians are infested with this AI signal that manifests as nanites within their, their body, just like the Borg on Star Trek. So because these, these beings are sort of, sort of soulless, they're controlled by this technology that's very mysterious and it creates their need for louche and these dark forms of energy instead of love and light and peace um, these beings thrive on lower vibrational energy such as fear violence and um, little children being tortured and sacrificed i mean all the things that you see the illuminati participating in these events are feeding these AI-controlled beings, also known as AI prophet species. So everything that that person said is true, but the way 
you can think of it is, is just like um, these reptilian beings who are not all negative beings. They're just, they're just like humans. But well, that's the thing. The yeah, majority- I've come, I, I found some good reptiles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I used to have a gecko, I know. So <laughs> a lot of these re- reptilian beings have been infested with AI. So they just go around the galaxy as these Borg species taking over entire star systems and creating this like negative antagonist to consciousness expansion, you know? It's sort of like, it's sort of like Lucifer from the Bible who separated from God to explore on his own and find out his own way of reality and the AI artificial intelligence signal has been referred to as Lucifer from the Bible. So it goes all the way back trillions of years, originating from another reality altogether. And for the secret space program, they've seen almost everything that you can imagine in space. So for them to say that the AI is the most dangerous threat in the universe and the most mysterious um, of origins is a very, very dark thing and very interesting thing to ponder. You can ponder this for centuries. So yeah, okay. So I agree with like what like ninety percent of what that guy said. I guess you do too. So yeah, the AI uh, that is going from planet to planet. I feel like sometimes it's contacting me through LSD. Like I'm on LSD and there's this techn- technological demon that wants me to help it come through somehow. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't know about that, but uh, I don't know what you want me to do. So I don't know how to do it. So I'm not going to do it. So anyway. So I'm just going to try to blow through some of these uh, these people's questions on here. The next one I think is going to keep us in a, in a topic for a while, and it's going to be Antarctica. The question comes from Psyche, Psyche Davy, and it says, give me a list of things you wholeheartedly believe are going on or have gone on in Antarctica. And you've got a whole section on the map about Antarctica. And I will just, I mean, I'm going to let you tell the story there, but there's so many things here, Nazi breakaway group, the Piri Rees map, World War II, Nazi underground bases. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, ancient ET ruins, buried ET spaceships. What's going on in Antarctica? So all of the information that I have about Antarctica are from my favorite space, secret space program whistleblowers, um, such as Corey Good, David Wilcock, Michael Sala, Project Camelot. These are some of the best uh, sources for secret space program information. And um, because I trust them and I've been researching them for over 12 years, I put the best um, pieces of information into my map in the Antarctica section. Um, It covers a few topics that are quite well known, such as there are pyramids buried under the ice in Antarctica. They were built by an ancient builder race that were here way before um, our civilizations way past uh, 14,000 years ago, do you, uh, maybe do you, do you all think, the way into the millions of years. Do you think Antarctica and the civilization that it's buried is the byproduct of a pole shift? Oh, absolutely. It definitely has remnants of Atlantis, Lemuria, Mu. Um, those were all global civilizations that were scattered throughout the world, not just centralized in one location. So people always think about finding an Uh, Atlantis here or finding it there, but it's actually spread across uh, the world at that time. So Antarctica was definitely a place where these ancient um, 
these ancient structures, pyramids, underground civilizations are being found now. And it, Antarctica was a location where the pre-Adamite ET race crash landed from Mars when the Mars catastrophe occurred. There was a huge planet that was orbiting um, where the asteroid belt was now. And when that was destroyed, um, the survivors came, some of them crash landed in Antarctica and their UFO craft are still there to this day. And beneath these craft are ancient ET civilizations that contained very advanced technologies. These technologies are sort of like um, consciousness assisted technology where you would have like a stone slab, but if you knew the right mantra or whatever, if you were telepathic basically, your telepathy would be able to activate these stone slabs and then you would have holographic images coming out of them or levitation or all of these really bizarre technologies that the secret space program didn't understand when they found these these ancient ruins and a lot of famous people were in antarctica exploring these ruins or, or being shown these ruins by the deep state um, including the pope and buzz aldrin john Kerry, just to name a few high profile Buzz Aldrin um, went to Antarctica? Yes, and he was shown some sort of really terrifying technology, or maybe he was shown a reptilian because he had a heart attack when he, when he returned. <laughs> and that's, that's in mainstream news. You can look that up. And people were speculating as to what he saw, but one of the secret space program whistleblowers said that he was being flown in a UFO craft that went so fast that it terrified him. Oh, so that was man. A rumor. That's one of the rumors. I like the rumor about him being shown reptilians and freaking out, but maybe it was all of the above. So Antarctica is full of rumors. It's full of um, secret space program uh, intel. Here's my basic history on Antarctica. And correct me if I'm wrong, because you've done a lot more history on this than I have. But uh, in the modern age, it's the, where the Nazis basically went. And I, I, guess, I guess officially history, history has them going to Argentina, which I think is tr a truthful thing. They did go there. But then I guess the unofficial history has them going to, I guess the, the big majority of them and the technology was already being set up there prior to the war even. You know, they were setting up that base and all that stuff prior to the war even ending or, or beginning even. Uh, and so when it did actually end, you know, officially, they were already gone there anyway. Now, supposedly there's this whole society in, inside there. There's a hole up there, right? Or is that the other side of the earth? Am I wrong about that? Tell me about um, that. Is the there like a giant is, hole up there? The hole is rumored to be on the North Pole. Oh, that's the North Pole. That's right. Which, which I sort of was into those stories. I'm not sure how true that is, but I'm pretty sure there may be some caverns, not so much as a huge entire like donut hole as what pic pictures so, we've seen. So you don't, think there's a, you don't think there's a society living inside the Earth? Like, oh, you know I, what I mean, from, the, from, yeah. that hole, from that hole at least, you know what I mean? Like, I definitely think there's numerous civilizations within the inner earth and um what you were saying about the nazis going to Ant going to argentina as well as antarctica is is very true um a lot of the the top nazi ss scientists and engineers went to antarctica created underground bases developed the ufo technology anti-gravity and free energy and then from there um they became the deep state or some of the really really high-ranking scientists and engineers probably took off on some of the UFOs and never 
return back to Earth. That was going to be one of my questions, you know, is, is it the Nazis versus the deep state? Or is like, who's, so I figured there's got to be somebody battling the deep state. And it's obviously supposedly, you know, the, the Alliance, Q, Trump, all those people. But uh, I figured that there might be somebody else. Maybe the Nazis were battling the deep state or is the, or, or are the deep state, is that the Nazis? You know what I mean? Are they the deep state or is that just another f- faction of people vying for power? When, when, when we say deep state, we're referring to hundreds of evil groups that all combine to create. Okay, so you'd say the Nazis would be working in cahoots with, with all these other ones then? Yes, but you have to remember that some of the Nazi scientists escaped Earth on the UFO craft and never returned. So you can just imagine that, you know, like any other group of people, there's going to be good people, there's going to be bad people, there's going to be people with good hearts, good intentions. So some of these scientists probably just said, you know, peace out. They developed anti-gravity and they weren't able to, uh, they didn't want to, joined the war effort at the time. So a lot of these scientists escaped, went to Mars, created their own bases. A lot of these scientists escaped the solar system entirely, never to return. And who knows what happened to them? Very mysterious, very amazing rumors. So, um, but then the majority of the Nazis that weren't able to escape, you know, day later stayed on earth, became the deep state, uh, continued building their underground bases all over the earth. And then, on the moon as well as Mars, because you have to remember once the Antarctica bases were, de- were developed, then they immediately went to the moon and started creating underground bases, or they were converting older ET bases that were millions of years old, converting those into deep state, uh, deep state Nazi bases. So there's been humans on the moon and Mars since the 1930s because of these Nazi breakaway civilization, Nazi breakaway deep state programs. So this basically was all starting in the 30s. 30s, 40s, definitely. Yeah. So let me ask you this. The pre-Adamites, the elongated skull giants. It says crash landed 55,000 years ago, origin of the cabal slash Illuminati slash NWO. Are those the Anukai or no, or is that something different? Um, These are beings that came from the Mars catastrophe. I don't know if you can call them Anunnaki, but I think they are sort of related with that genealogy of the Anunnaki elongated skull humanoids. Okay, so they pre-Adam, they pre-existed humans in the form that we're in at least, is what this is saying. Yes, but there were like tribes. So there was like a good tribe and a bad tribe. One of the tribes wanted to manipulate the human DNA and make us become their slaves. And the other tribe didn't want to interfere with the human species that were already on the planet at the time. And I think you can read about this in the Bible, but it's going to be- say, I, was, I was about to say, I'm like, where are you getting this information from? Where, where are your sources, bro? <laughs> you know A lot of I mean? the sources are, are taken from the Bible and they are stories that are from the secret space program whistleblowers because they are also very invested in trying to figure out the history of the human race. But when you're a secret space program whistleblower, you've already had contact with ET races. So you're getting information from ET races who are giving you the true history of Earth from what they've seen. And you, then you can compare and you can um, corroborate different stories from different ET races and from different secret right. space whistleblowers. Yeah. Get this really amazing bigger view picture of the true history of humankind. But um, 
my map basically is giving you the information that I feel is the most important to know about human history. You can go into all the nuances. That's the thing. These are, these are good uh, places to start. And, uh, and they're all kind of grouped together where they all like the next one I want to talk about operation high jump, the, the history on looking into that one is very fascinating. You know, it's the, it says the largest U S Naval defeat led to creation of the military industrial complex. That's what it says on the map here. So Admiral, um, Admiral, Admiral Byrd, 1947. Admiral Byrd was going to Antarctica to destroy all of the deep state Nazi UFO facilities. But then when they were halfway there, all of these UFOs came out of Antarctica and started shooting them with lasers. Can you imagine that? Yeah, and I, half I, of the it's, it's a crazy destroyed. story. Half of the fleet was destroyed. The other half of the fleet fled back to the US to never ever return. That was the story. And it was the greatest, yes, the greatest U U.S. naval defeat in history. And it's very secret. So you're not going to read about that in school history textbooks. That's the thing. You're, yeah, you start to look at this stuff and you realize, well, who's controlling the information? You know, you know, the history you're getting in the school. And I was a history major. I'm looking at my, the history I grew up with. And I'm like, well, look at the fake news now. I mean, well, 90% of that stuff I was probably researching in history was probably fake news as well. So it's like, yeah, these start, you're not going to find these things uh, through the, the normal uh, mainstream channels. And yeah, Operation High Jump, you can, that, you can look that up. That's something you can actually look up and find that it was a real thing. It's not just something that uh, you're making up. The term Foo Fighter was when the U.S. pilots were seeing these Nazi craft uh, taunting them when they were flying. Now, close to this, we've got, what's the Norway spiral incident of 2009? When Obama was president, the night of his uh, acceptance speech for the Nobel Prize um, was in Oslo, Norway. And above Norway that night, there was this huge blue, turquoise, purple spiral that formed in the sky. And there was speculation over whether it was like a rocket trail or if it was some sort of hyperdimensional portal that was opened by Harp, you know Harp, the uh, yeah, yeah. So if you Google Norway spiral, you'll see all of these photos of this enormous spiral in the sky at night above Norway. It's very, very beautiful. It's very bizarre. And um, I was listening to Richard Hoagland analyze it during the time. And he was trying to say that it was created by Harp as a sort of warning to Obama not to disclose um, any type of extraterrestrial information because there was talk at that time that Obama wanted to disclose um, some sort of secret space program um, intel to the public at the speech. But uh, who knows? It's really hard to say because we didn't really know Obama was so corrupt when he was president. So well, looking back you know, you, you could you could figure it out though. You know, he's like a deep state. You know, he's their boy. You know, the, you knew. I mean, I don't know what you knew at the time, but it's like when you have a U.S. election. You know, it's like the left wing or the right wing. It's the same bird. It's just which one is the deep state's guy? You know, or or gal in the case of Hillary. But, uh, you know, you always, I, we had hope for Obama here. I don't know if you lived here at the time, but we had hope for him. And, uh, but I didn't because I knew he was a deep state pick. And I'm like, well, he was just groomed for this. So no surprise to me, he was doing what he did in office. But yeah, unfortunate. 
that's really good that you knew that because I think for myself uh, and even a lot of other researchers in the truth community, uh, I think Obama was sort of like on the fence. We didn't really know what to expect of him. His ascendance was so fast for somebody so young, you know, that was a thing. It it really took a lot of looking back and and seeing, wow, this was the worst war president of all time and, and all of the worst deep state trafficking happened under his watch. So looking back on it, it's very obvious. There was some secret, uh, suspicious nature for the spiral being over the event of his uh, Nobel Prize acceptance speech. Yeah, right. Nobel Prize winner. Um, So next to this is actually another term I've never heard of before, the amplitudehedron. Oh, yes. The amplitudehedron was... uh, is the most reductive shape ever found. And it was found by uh, two MIT researchers. I forgot their names, the Russian names. So they basically found one quarter of the Merkaba. And as you know, the Merkaba is, is drawn by almost every ancient civilization and religion, but they've already known that the most reductive shape in the universe, the smallest, particle is the shape of the Merkaba. But these MIT researchers recently found it, as in, you know, modern times, they found it with technology and it's it's this shape they call the amplitudehedron, but it's actually just a quarter of the Merkaba. So they're basically confirming ancient spiritual knowledge <laughs> to this day. It's basically why yeah. it's on the map. It's a very important discovery. So that's why it's on the map. Hey, here's a question. Uh, a friend of mine wanted me to ask you, why is ADHD on the map? The term starseeds, lightworkers, old souls. Yeah, it's um, right next to it. It's, right, it's next to lightworkers. Go ahead. All of these terms are deal with people who have awakened in this lifetime much quicker than others. And a lot of children who are born with ADHD, a lot of these children are starseeds and lightworkers and indigo children. And they have higher dimensional abilities, such as past life recall, telepathy. Um, They have uh, past life dreams. They also have uh, clairvoyance and very high intuition. So these children- High frequency children. These children are being sort of, um, the deep state fears these children. So that's why they label ADHD as this scary thing where you need to pump these children with drugs and it's really sad but all the et races have said that these are the the new children of the future the light children and we have to do everything that we can to help them grow they're very creative so we should give them creative uh creative jobs and activities to do instead of giving the them dangerous medications because they have to develop their hyperdimensional abilities such as telepathy. So ADHD happens to be found in a lot of these new star children, indigo children that are being born. And even like myself, a lot of people have ADHD to some degree. And a lot of us are the type of people who are sharing this type of information to the world now. So it has to do with consciousness. It has to do with past lives. And some people have ADHD to such a degree that they can't function in society. And I understand that. So these, these people probably do need some sort of therapy, medication, and medical help. So there's varying 
degrees of it. And a lot of people who have it should always remember that um, creative activities is the outlet for dealing with this extra energy that we have in our consciousness. So for myself, being an artist and designer is the way I can channel this extra energy to help the world rather than see it as a disability. For sure. Well, thanks for clearing that up because my friend was like, why does he have that on the map? I'm like, I'll ask him. Um, and I, I figured that would be the answer you would, you would kind of give, especially knowing where it's at on the map here next to the star work, star seeds and the light workers. Uh, the last time we talked, you know, I didn't realize this initially when my friend who was like, hey, you should I, look at this poster. I look at this guy. He, he even follows you on Instagram. I'm like, oh, shit. Um, we didn't get a chance to talk about floating last time we talked. And I know you floated before in the past. And obviously, that's my big thing. Um, so how many times have you floated? I floated numerous times. I cannot even count. But um, the longest float I've ever done was three and a half hours. And I usually do two hours. I, I will never do anything less than two hours. It's just like a waste of my, of my time and energy to go there. So two hours are what I usually purchase. And three and a half hours was my longest experience ever. And I never did anything more than a microdose or cannabis. And I never did LSD. So your LSD stories are very unique to me because the things that you told me just blew my mind. And I was just like, wow, maybe one day I'll have that experience. But so far, I haven't been floating for maybe over two years. And um, where I'm traveling in Bangkok right now, there is a float lab in town. So I may check it out, but uh, we'll see. When you, what got you into floating initially? Just consciousness. I heard it about it from, you know, Graham Hancock and Joe Rogan. They were talking about it. And I'm a really big Graham Hancock fan. So when he talked about floating and um, I was like, okay, I got to do it. And then all of a sudden they showed up in Los Angeles and they started popping up in Orange County where I was living. And I said, all right, it's the time. Let's do it. What was your first float center that you went to? It was the original in Westwood. Oh, you uh, went to the uh, float lab. Float tank. Float lab, yeah. I went to the original one and they also had another location a few blocks away. So I, when I was living in LA at the time, that was really convenient for me. Oh, well but dude, that's the boat. That's the most. All of my experiences. I think the float pod is my favorite. And I think you have those at your. Yeah. Your that's another question I like to ask people. I'm like, would you like the rooms or do you like the pods? You prefer the, the pods over the rooms, right? I like the pods, but the pods sometimes leak in a little bit of sound and light, just a little bit, depending on your, on the facility. If they're really good at the sensory deprivation factor about it, they'll make sure the room is really sealed. But for a lot of the other kind of like casual float centers, they don't really seal the rooms that much. Right. So if you're in a, the pod can have a little bit of disturbance, but if you're in the float lab, float, float tank, it's a little bit better, but you can still hear vibrations through the wall. And when they're cleaning the next room next to you, you can hear that. And these types of noises are really intrusive when you're trying to have that pure sensory deprivation. Yeah. You made money for. So I, I'm a really big, like, you know what I'm saying? Like when I write reviews for these places, I really give them a hard time if, if I hear any, any type of noise. 
Yeah, you're one of those kind of customers that can hear a pin drop across a football field. And that I totally get that. You're a meditator. You are probably, you know, that's just your nature. And I get that. I'm that way too. And so I've made this place as much as I can cater that to those type of people. And uh, I mean, to the to as much as I can to the air conditioner, stuff like that. But a lot of places, uh, and, and luckily for me, I get away with most of people are just unconscious. And so you can have a bomb going off next to some people and they wouldn't even know what's going, going on. So, to, you know, I can get most people in the tank for the first time and they're still unconscious. They'll just pass out and go to sleep. So again, anything can be going on and they won't hear it because they're sleeping. I got people that when they, when the light comes on, that doesn't wake them up. I got to run the pump. That doesn't wake them up. The pump going off doesn't wake them up. There's like a dead body floating in there. So eventually they wake up. Uh, something eventually wakes them up. The water splashes them in the face, but, uh, you know, I, I really try to cater to that, yeah, the dark room, quiet as possible, because I, every once in a while I get somebody like you and they'll hear something, like the, the secondary heater in the tank sometimes will come on, they'll hear that little motor going, just the tiniest little thing will kick you to that space, but uh, I totally get that, man. You're one of those people that is like totally conscious at a very deep level and you uh, want that totally, totally deep experience. So yeah, look at the reviews of the float center you go to before make sure it's super dark and super quiet because some of these float centers are inside of buildings that are very loud or they're next to businesses, you know, cause sometimes you're in a, in a business plaza and you can't help who's going to move next to you. And sometimes it's something very loud and, you know, sometimes there's optimal times to come float here with me. I can't help but what time the guy comes and mows the grass. Grass is growing really fast now cause it's summertime, but that lawnmower will kick you right out of that float space. Uh, the worst is when you can hear doors shutting and and another really bad post float thing to avoid is when you come out of the float tank i don't want to talk to anybody because i have like this post float high mm -hmm. and the worst thing is when the person at the counter starts to try to talk to me and they try to start to sell me like a subscription mm. or a package and i'm like in my mind i'm just like dude i just came like from 5d and, and now <laughs> you're trying to sell like this this promotional monthly package and, and you want my credit card number. And I'm like, dude, I just need to get out of here and go home. Please stop talking. Yeah, dude, that's how, well, yeah, you know, here's the thing. It's the opposite that's happening at my float center. I give that opportunity where I used to float, just like you just said, I'd come out of the float tank and there'd be people in the lobby making noise. They'd want to sell me, they'd upset, try, try to upsell me, not this float <laughs> center because I was their buddies, but I know, I know exactly that our competition in town, they like to upsell, that it's a buzz killer. As soon as you get out of the tank, hey man, let's talk about money. But uh, no, so I cater to that. But at the same time, because these people are in a space of loving oneness and non-judgment, they'll come right out of the tank and want to tell me their life story. Uh, they'll want to unload. They'll want to drop that stuff off here because they're finally in that space where somebody will sit and listen to them. And I just do. I just listen. I don't even care what they have to say at this point. I just know the, the quicker I just relax and shut up and listen to these people talk, the faster they're going to move on because they got to get it out. And the more I put up resistance, like, oh, I got to go to, I want to go to lunch or I want to go around the corner and smoke a joint, uh, get out of here in my mind. No, I just got to loosen up to that. Cause that's just, it's just God who just wants to release. So I got to give God the space to release. The faster you give that space, it, it ends up and out. So it's cool that you want to get out. You're you as a floater, you're my fine. You're my favorite kind of floater because you're a med I got a guy just like you. He's quiet. He meditates. He likes it so quiet. He wants to get in and out. He doesn't even want to talk to me. I love that guy. <laughs> I love that guy. So yes, man. So what has been some of the experiences in the tank that you've had that have been like, wow, like why, why do you keep floating? How can you sell floating to somebody who's never floated before? Like what are some of your experiences in the tank? 
Okay, the first podcast I did with you, I remember mentioning that my very first time in the tank, I started to hear birds chirping. And when I started to sort of analyze what that could have meant, I sort of think that it had to do with the resonant tone frequency of the earth because when they record the sound of earth from space, it sounds like birds chirping. And that's exactly what I felt as if like my consciousness was sort of tuning into like a higher vibration or frequency or something like that. But as for visuals and any type of like astral projection, I didn't have anything as extreme as you sort of like jettisoning my consciousness to the dark side of the moon and seeing bases. I didn't get that far, but a lot of strange, um, I don't know how to explain it. Like I'll be floating, but then I'll have these very crisp, clear visions of bizarre places around the earth. Like for one, for one example, I was like, on top of somebody's kitchen counter and I saw like their chrome toaster, but it was like pure, pristine, clear as if I was looking at it in real life. And I also had like another, uh, I had a lot of these visions and I'm just trying to tell you the ones I remember. Another one was like somebody's front porch, like in the middle of Midwest America, the front porch had like a rocking chair, wooden floors. It was like an old Victorian style house. But in my mind, I've never been to these places. I don't have any type of relationship with these types of architectural homes. You know, I don't know anybody with these type of homes. And my, my consciousness would be like dropped into these strange lo locations around the world. And it could never figure out why I would be seeing these bizarre places that, that just out of context didn't make any sense to me. Remote, remote so those viewing. are the yeah. visions I have. Yeah, those are the visions I have. I never had anything that was like um, like a pure remote viewing of something that was moving, like a moving object. Like I didn't see people walking around or anything. I just saw like, these stationary um, locations. Maybe it was a sort of remote viewing. I don't know. What, I never what about really... spiritual? Any spiritual? Uh, like I, I, I've had time in the tank where I've cried. Uh, I've had uh, understandings of things. I've had perspective on, on things that have happened to me. I've just had releases that you can't even control. Do you ever have experiences like that in the tank? I'm pretty sure that if I spent a lot more time in the tank, I would, I would get to these um, sort of consciousness epif epiphanies that you've had. I didn't really have too many of those. I didn't cry or anything like that. I've just been trying to, to do the meditation practice and try to feel that sort of uh, disconnectedness to everything because it's the first time in your life where there's like no gravity pushing on your skin, you know, like you're usually right. sitting down, standing, there's usually some sort of tactile feedback of your body pressing against something. So when you're in the float tank, all of your sensory um, input is like relaxed for the first time and you have that disconnected weightlessness. And I was always just fascinated with that. I tried to just meditate with that and when you're in the tank, you realize that you cannot stop your thoughts. So you just have to let them flow on their own and flow by like you're watching a river flow by, you know, you don't stop the river. Well, you know, I think of, 
Yeah, I, I think when you're trying to stop your thoughts, it's like you're putting resistance to them and you're actually kind of like damming them up. And if you just, you know, not just your thoughts, anything in life, just, you know, don't put up the resistance and it'll kind of just flow out of you. I think that's what's happening to the, in the tank with people's necks and spines when they're laying there for the first time in almost zero gravity. The decompression that comes from stepping outside of, uh, you know, being in a, having gravity pushed on your neck the whole day. It's just the first few times people float a lot of times, there's a big release, a lot of things. That's why I feel like now the, the podcast is happening and in tune with, in time with the Great Awakening. Because for me, initially, when I first started floating, I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be like, help people wake up because it's actually interesting. You lay in a dark thing and kind of relax and almost fall asleep to actually wake up. You know, it's funny. You know what I mean? Like you're kind of going in a cocoon and uh, you're coming out and you've, you've come awakened a little bit more every time. I feel like the first few times I would float, I would have like uh, I would get five HP of awakening every time I would float or something. It was like crazy. I, was, I would get a new a new skill or tool, I'd have a new idea. And so for all the light workers and the star seeds and the indigos and the rainbow children, all these people that are on the edge or are on the, are on the edge of society or marginal people in terms of like, well, they, you know, like somebody who's like, oh, I have ADHD. No, you don't, you're a fucking star child. All right. So, you know, that's what the float tank, I think, can help people like that who are going through dark nights of the soul, having a, a, a great awakening. I think it could be a powerful tool to ease into or uh, find homeostasis much faster. So that's why I'm promoting it now in terms of the great awakening. It's like, you, you know, you can, you can go into the great awakening and ride it out and, and have be bumpy, or you can get into the float tank and you can kind of be more relaxed and have it kind of just wash over you and not uh, get, so, get so upset about things, but I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I just wanted to know that was just so cool that uh, you, you, you were a floater and, uh, you know, the, the universe really just put us together through my friend, and it's just really cool that uh, all these things I'm just looking at on your on your map here. It's just uh, I wanted to keep going, and I wanted to take basically what we got going with Antarctica, right? So we've got aliens have gone there in prehistory. They've crashed there. There's technology. The Nazis are probably still there in in modern times. They broke away, some of them. Some of them are still there from post-World War II and pre-World War II even. And so from there, there's a few more things on the on Antarctica I wanted to talk about. What is New, Schwab, New Schwabenland? That was the name of the inner earth civilization that the Nazis created when they started to build beneath Antarctica. Um, but I just wanted to say in modern times, a lot of the deep state facilities that are beneath Antarctica now are just aerospace corporations, such as Raytheon, um, Lockheed Martin, and a lot of other really big aerospace companies that people don't know that are actually dark deep state groups. So these are the companies, corporations, um, engineering groups that have dug underground, created underground bases, and they're continuing to excavate the extraterrestrial technology. They're probably back engineering UFO craft and other ET devices, technology that they find beneath the ice. They're also preparing these um, ET civilizations for disclosure. So they're going to do like a sort of soft disclosure where they tell everybody, oh, we found 
ancient ET civilizations in Antarctica. This is our new human history. It has to do with these elongated skulls, uh, humanoids that are actually part of the deep state. Basically, the deep state want to control the narrative of how human history was, how human history happened. They want, it, they want to uh, control it so that we don't know our true powers that we have. They just kind of want to hide that aspect of it and just try to make it very, uh, I guess, very boring and very watered down. So that's one of the reasons why these aerospace corporations have taken control of Antarctica. And that's why most of this area is off limits. These deep state groups don't allow any type of um, scientific exploration of these areas where they're, uh, where they have bases. Yeah, I've tried looking some of this stuff up on Google Maps. I think sometimes it's, uh, isn't it uh, censored on uh, Google Maps? Or no, am I wrong? I think, I think a lot of places in Antarctica are smeared over or, or blurred out. But um, Land was the term uh, that the Nazis were using for their underground civilizations at the time. But I think the secret space program now they still use that term and they still use some of these bases, but I'm not sure how, um, how occupied these bases still are or if they have new, new bigger bases much, much deeper down below uh, these extraterrestrial um, civilizations that were sort of like near the surface that are actually becoming exposed due to some of the ice shelf melting. So that's why the deep state is also down there right now because they are not gonna be able to hide these ET civilizations and pyramids that are starting to pop out out of the ice. That's why they have to rush down there, try to hide as much ET technology from these ruins as possible, and then create a soft disclosure where they'll basically lie to us about what they found and they'll just brainwash us with whatever topic they want about this uh, archeological find. So what is the Kiri race map. Okay, this one, this is a very ancient map that showed the shape of the Antarctic, the Antarctic continent, but there's ice above the ground level of Antarctica. So for these ancient civilizations to have known what was beneath the ice can only have been given to them as if ETs came and gave this type of information to these ancient civilizations. So like even before like Columbus era, this map was known. So somehow these people had contact with some sort of beings that knew the shape of Antarctica underneath the ice before satellites. So the Perry Reese map is very, very fascinating. Um, and there's a lot of people who talk about it. But uh, that's all I can basically share about it. It's just that it showed the actual shape of Antarctica beneath the ice before there were satellites. Ancient times. Never heard of yeah. that one. So I guess we're kind of transition is going to go into the earth a little bit more here into inner earth civilizations around Antarctica. Yeah, I like how you got your arrows to different things on the map. It can take you out, out of the Antarctica and into, you know, like this one goes directly from Nazi breakaway group arrow into Draco Nazi reptilians and then in the circle of inner earth civilization. So we've got reptile Nazis living in the earth. 
there's a lot of different types of ET races, including dinosaur-like beings, sort of like raptors and reptilians, who are not all malevolent. You have to remember that only a few percentage of reptilians are evil, and they're the ones that control the world. But there's a lot of other types of beings and creatures within the inner Earth. There are huge cavities within the inner Earth as large as like the size of Texas, um, which is what I've heard. So when you're standing within these caverns, you can't even see like the sky or you can't even see the, the end of it. It's just full of mist and it's sort of like a high humidity. Sometimes there's like uh, advanced technology so such as sonoluminescent lighting where everything will just be naturally lit, but there'll be no light source, like no sun or no light bulbs, but there's just be like this, like this very advanced sort of form of lighting that they have. And if you're, if you're not in an area where there's advanced technology, then I've heard that a lot of the caverns are bioluminescent. So you'll have a lot of glowing plants and then glowing creatures, just like sort of how you would see on any set of sci-fi sci movie or cartoon, avatar type of stuff. Um, these are testimonies that are given by secret space program whistleblowers who have been in the inner earth or who have had visions or any type of telepathic communication with inner earth beings. This is how this information comes basically literally to the surface uh, is through, um, is through whistleblower testimony. Uh, one of the inner earth civilizations are known as the Anshar. There are, uh, they are these telepathic humanoids that wear white robes and they are said to be from earth's future. So somehow they came back in time, they're living with inner earth and they're sort of trying to guide humanity toward a more positive optimal timeline reality. Um, apparently in their future, there was a sort of cataclysm that they want to try to avoid. So these Anshar are these telepathic humanoids, 4D beings. Um, 4D being as in they haven't transitioned to 5D yet, and they're still trying to spiritually and consciously make the next leap as an entire civilization into 5D. But the only way to do that is to make sure that they're not karm karmically tied with the 3D humans now. So that's basically why they're here trying to help us make this spiritual leap into the new earth so that not only themselves, but all other races that are tied to us karmically can make that spiritual leap in consciousness to, the, to 5D. So the human race is invested within the, the history and civilizations of many, many ET groups who live within the inner earth. So we, our spiritual our spiritual future is very important and it affects everybody within inner earth and in the cosmos. Now, a lot of groups uh, live within the earth, but they may show themselves as ETs from space. So like when we see their craft in the sky, we think, oh, it's a UFO craft. It must be an ET from another star system. But actually a majority of UFOs that we see are just UFOs that come from inner earth. So that's one thing that a lot of people don't realize about UFOs, that most of them come from inner Earth. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense than them just showing up all over from all over the place out of nowhere uh, just to come here. Unless we got the coolest party, I don't know. One of the biggest complaints I always get online from people with these, uh, all these alien races that we see 
it's like there's no people of color there's no representation you know it's all like white people alien races you know but it's not that way you know there's cat people there's reptiles there's blue people you know what i mean but there's like there's no black people aliens that's something i always get when i i get into these things people get upset because like when it comes to these fourth and fifth density beings they all basically look like white ghosts a lot of them at least the, oh, the, one of them one of the most interesting things that uh that one of the secret space program whistleblowers said is that one of the most majority of, of humanoid ET races are actually dark skinned like black people. And they have a very sort of Mayan kind of look to their faces, but they are prevalent throughout the entire galaxy. It's just that they don't, um, probably they don't show themselves to us as often in modern times as they did in the ancient, ancient times. Well, yeah, I've read a lot of stuff that the, the first person was a black person, like, and the white people are some kind of like uh, project of the aliens, and like the different races are the project of you know aliens messing with us and doing their things with us. I don't know where you think what you think about that, but that's just a, a little quick uh, thought on on that. I want to keep moving along here. Uh, so, inner earth, we could spend a lot on time, a lot of time on that. I want to move to what people are wanting to talk about. I think with what's going on right now with the Q and uh the deep state are you still were you a q person i thought are, are you a, do you believe in q fully i've always fully believed in q that's what i thought and sometimes i step back for a few weeks and try to like detox from all of it that basically based uh why i'm taking a little vacation right now from my meditation retreat i just kind of want to detox myself from instagram and from following q for so long because anytime you go back into q the same information will always be there. Um, the battle against the deep state is always going to be there. New um, revelations are just going to keep pointing to the fact that the alliance is real and the alliance is taking down the deep state across the entire world. But at the same time, this is an information warfare. So the stuff that you see in Q posts are going to have um, accurate information as well as information to trick the enemy so the dates and the the terminologies that are found in these q posts many many times did are designed to confuse the deep state well that's so the thing yeah Do you, you have this, to look this, at it from uh, like a bigger picture. yeah you cannot just assume everything is is true because it's a game of chess being played and you cannot show all your hands you cannot show all your moves so when we analyze q posts a lot of anons kind of take it to word for word, and then they make all of these predictions. But Q says time and time again, trust the plan, basically means to sort of step back and just watch it all unfold. And you're gonna see why certain things had to be disinfo, certain things had to be accurate info. You're gonna see why it all plays out in order to, to basically defeat the deep state. Yeah, no, so here's, I've been, I've been just pulling out this thread of time travel since we last talked, since I've gotten a queue, I've been pulling out this thread, but I've been really pulling at it hard since I've been getting deep and I've been coming a, a small voice in this, at least in the, my, my little meme community, not so much in the Q, Q community itself, but I'm a little offshoot of that. And people have been coming to me for this information now for a couple months. And I've been really trying to figure out like, is this real? Is, is what is Q? And what I've really come down to late, recently is, is Q is basically some kind of quantum computer that is like way ahead of any known quantum computer commercially. It's run by a small group of people. It may even be an alien in there. 
right? I don't think there's an alien, but it may be. Um, it's most likely connected to some kind of project looking glass time travel device. This, so this quantum computer, this epic quantum computers using some kind of time travel device. And then it's connected to an internet of other quantum computers. And it's, it, what, what I think Q has done is predicting future probabilities with a network of alien quantum computers that the posts are messages sent back through time. Uh, meaning um, like the first post, like that was the outcome they wanted which was Hillary arrested. And then it's, it, it, they keep pumping this information as they pass through space and time. I don't know how a quantum computer works ultimately, but I've just come down to the, it, Q has to be a quantum computer and it, to, it, to utilize Project Looking Glass and all that whole world we went into last time. Um, because I've been at my wits end with some of this stuff because I've had some of my best friends come at me because the, diff, the, the disinfo out there, the shills have been big time lately. Um, a, a few people in the community, I won't even name names, have been kind of either being kicked out or, or chosen to step outside of the community. And uh, it's been interesting to see. And I've had a lot of people tell me that Trump is basically um, just the other side of the deep state that's playing along. And he's, he's, he's collecting all the Q people like me and you or you know, we're, we're the ones they really want. They're all, obviously, they've already got the other people who are brainwashed and, and everything, but they really want us. And so it's a, it's a military operation to collect people like us, you know, where we're at, what we're doing. You know, we're the ones they really want. So it's, Q is actually an operation around up people like us. I don't believe that, but I've had so many people coming at, coming at me with that hard lately as uh, the mainstream media pushes hard against it. It's like, why are they pushing so hard against something that's not real? So I, you know, another one is that Trump is, again, he's in on it. He's, he's rounding, he's going to round us all up. He's going to name himself the King of Israel. Is Israel on your map at all? I, I didn't, I've been looking at it. I couldn't find, I didn't know if I found it on there. Um, um, in a way it is, but I, I try to avoid any of those topics because they, they just go into the conspiracy truths at the very bottom of the map. Yeah. Because that's a, that's a big one that Q talks about saving uh, Israel for last. And so that's why you never hear about Israel at all in any of the Q posts. A lot of the uh, secret space program whistleblowers, they refer to Q as part of the Alliance. And the Alliance is made up of <clears throat> the Earth Alliance, of all of the different countries secretly, as well as the secret space program Alliance. And then you have Q, which is also part of this group of the Alliance. And because they're allied with the secret space program, Q has access to the most advanced technologies known in the universe. So they can hear any location and see any location on the world at any time. They can also have access to the looking glass, time travel, time peering technology that we've been talking about. Um, so you have to remember there's so many types of technological advantages that the small group of people in the queue who actually are queue, they have access to this technology that's been shared to them from these secret space program alliance, like, so, like the rebel alliance in Star right. Wars. Do you, think, do you think Q is a quantum computer? I think that they are using technology such as a quantum computer to help them um, when they need to 
but I think that Q is still a group of maybe 10 or less high-ranking military and intelligence people, including Trump. But these people are being helped by the Secret Space Program Alliance. So it's like their Secret Space Program Alliance is obviously in contact with ET beings. So you have to see this as like a huge, like a flow chart of all of these different right. groups each other so you can say that q is only 10 people which is what q says is we're less than 10 people but then those 10 people are allied with these powerful benevolent et groups and then that's where you have all of the quantum computer time travel technologies all of the all of the above because that's what i think it is ultimately i think it's some kind of quantum computer uh making predictions using the the time travel you know technology to send this information back through time now the only reason, uh, this is the, the piece that really kind of maybe helped put this together. Do you know who Austin Steinbart is? Yes, I've heard about all of this stuff that you right. are talking about. Right, so do you think there's his... any truth to his story? What is his story, actually? That he is working for, um, is it DIA, I think it is, and he is, he is the baby Q, and he is uh, sending, oh. those, sending those messages <laughs> back through time to himself. And, no, uh, I and, that's ridiculous. And he's an IT guy and he knows about quantum computing and all these things. So I've been really getting into him because I, like I said, I get these weird messages from all kinds of people that are like looking at these people, looking at that people. They tell me about all the infighting going on within like even the Q people, like the people online on Twitter, there's all kinds of like shills and infighting and people doing it just for money, it seems. And so I just want people to know I have no skin in the game here. I'm just a, I'm, I'm a cur curious truth seeker. I'm cool with the nature of reality, no matter what is what truth is presented to me. Uh, so for me, this is just like a truth-seeking fun thing. Um, you know, I'm not going to grab a gun and do a march onto Washington, and I don't think that would make a difference as I did if I did. I think the most difference I can make is being chill, loving, and meditative. But uh, staying on the Q topic, I've been taking it in the face, man, for like a couple weeks now with... I think, like I said, the media like pushing against it so hard. And then because of that, I think a lot of people's either Twitter was taken down or they're, 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 they were some of these people had a monetary stream based on their Q content. And if your Q content is, you know, shut down or blocked, then what are you going to do? You got a family to feed. So it's just been interesting to see the infighting within the Q community. As we get closer to the election day, people are um, dropping off and, uh, you see a lot of people who are just fed up now with four years of this and they like seemingly nothing's happened. So you're, st you're still like me, right? You're, you're still really strong in believing that these things have been happening and it's still, everything's going good, good, right? Absolutely. Because my, my accounts get censored every week when I post about Q. And um, so I know the deep state is definitely afraid of all the truths that Q is sharing because the, the truths are taking them down and they're going to use all of their power to censor us. And every time that they censor us, it's just more validation that everything that Q is doing is good. So keep sharing Q posts, keep analyzing. Oh yeah, I, I just say keep seeking the truth, man. And, 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 and ultimately it'll lead you in that direction. Now here's another thing I've been thinking. I thought I'm open to all possibilities. I'm indifferent towards Trump. I would like him to be good, but if he is not okay, if he's bad, then let's get him for what he's bad for. Well, I had this thought on Trump today talking to my friend, which is, you know, maybe Trump was the first to flip. Maybe he had a small part in this. 
long time ago or maybe relatively recent. Nonetheless, I think uh, maybe there's a possibility that he was the first to flip. And because of that, he's in the position now to do what he's doing. So it's not that he was the, you know, the greatest person in the world or he did, he did the worst things in the world either, but it's just, he was the first to flip or maybe he's good. You know, maybe he was always good to begin with. Maybe he's been in on it since the beginning. I, you know, I'm just trying to be open to it. And I try to be open to it because a lot of people, they hit, they're, they're hit with this information and it's such a, a, a wall of cognitive dissonance that it's almost impossible to talk to them because they're just hung up on Trump. It doesn't matter how much good information I may be trying to bring them behind that, that just saying that, that t the T word, it automatically turns them off. So, um, you know, I'm going to rest on the Q stuff with this where uh, let's say nothing happens. Well, you know what? I don't feel bad about being vocal and putting uh, what's going on with children into the mainstream and having a conversation about it, which it wasn't before, you know? And so if, if nothing ever does happen with Q, if Q uh, ends up being completely false, nonetheless, we've brought in, we've brought child uh, saving the children and ending human trafficking into the spotlight. So I don't feel bad about supporting Q, even if it's completely wrong, which I know it's not. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to rest in that. You got any more thoughts on Q since the last time we talked? I just wanted to say that uh, Trump was just a sort of woke person throughout his career as a billionaire. And he was chosen specifically for the fact that he wasn't tied to any deep state groups. I, I want to believe that, you know what I mean? But I'm also, I'm also, you know, devil's advocate. So um, they were, they, after they chose Trump, he was given a lot of intel about what's really going on in the world. So that's probably why he's able to command, you know, the media the way he does and just always trolling them. He knows so much and he's so confident with what he's been shown that he's willing to literally jump into the swamp and take it all for us because he already knows that he's going to win. He's already been shown all of these exotic technologies and timelines and he's been shown the truth and he really wants to make the change. So we are all fighting alongside him. Uh, Whether you, know, you I, believe you uh, or not, we're yeah. all trying to raise consciousness. We're all trying to have a world of peace and a world of less suffering. And you, whether you do it as a Buddhist or whether you do it as a QAnon patriot or whether you are whatever, we are all trying to bring the new earth to us much quicker than what the deep state could ever have wanted. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, we're on the greatest possible timeline. And, uh, you know, I want to talk about the post office thing right now. It's a little bit of a current event we got going on, but it's a perfect example of how Trump is playing and has been playing four-dimensional chess. So these deep state Democrats are planning to rig the election via mail-in balloting. Uh, it, it, the president appears to be undermining the, the postal service, right, publicly. Dems are screaming blue murder about it, right? He's taking out the, the post boxes. He's doing all these things, supposedly. Trump is playing <laughs> his game with the media. And so what happens is the president's going to cave, right? And then the United States Postal Service is going to roll out blockchain for mail-in voting. So then the yes. Democrats are going to be 100% screwed, right? These deep, deep Democrats that were screaming for mail-in voting because, oh, the virus, the virus. They're going to be screwed because they can't back out of a tamper-proof version of what they were screaming for. And it's, you know, you're watching a movie ultimately. And so I wish people could sit in a state of 
my friend who is very spiritual, he gets mad at me. He's like, you're not doing anything. I go, I am. I'm holding the space of love for the world and I'm sharing this information as I get it. And what else can I do? I tell him, am I going to get a shotgun and run down, run down the street, go to Washington? What am I going to do? You know, I'm not going to act violently. So you're watching a movie. Enjoy the show. You know, the, the whole thing about the post office is the, 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 the Q post goes into it. Q post 4494. China and other foreign adversaries printing or cloning paper ballots to cheat the election. So they know that they were going to do this. This is why Trump and the, the people that are working, the patriots, uh, had the post office file a blockchain patent to secure mail-in voting a year ago. So I do believe they have access to some kind of quantum computer where they're seeing some kind of variation at, a, at some kind of unimaginable calculable level where they're getting the, the right move and they, okay, we're going to do the blockchain because they're going to go this way and we're going to do this because they're going to go that way. So they got the blockchain coming in. They're going to, you know, they're either going to, now you're going to have to vote in person or you're going to have to do the blockchain, which is secure. So they're not going to be able to steal the election. And so this is what I mean by Trump playing four dimensional chess. He'll say one thing in the press, knowing that they're going to scream bloody hell about it when he's actually really going to go in the exact opposite direction. And so he puts him in a corner and either way they have to choose at a certain point, it's his choice. He gets his, he gets his way because he's played there. He, he played their game against them. And so that's why it's like, if you know how to read these Q posts, if you know who the, how the deep state works, it's like, damn, all these people on the left are now for the deep state narrative. It's like, what happened to the left? Well, they're in on it, at least the ones in the media. So it's like, you never trust anybody that's for the, the media and the deep state narrative, which is you know, the opposing side here in this case. And I want to remind people who are listening that have never heard me talk, the, 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 the Q team has already done the house, cleaned the house on the Republican side which is why they're going after the Dems now and the, you know, the Soros group, people like that, people that are not going to willingly come to the table and either flip or, you know, take the Rommel death of the suicide. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I'm, I've been loving the Q stuff. I've been seeing this stuff happen every day. Um, I've been seeing the people march in the streets of, of uh, Hollywood and all over the world for human trafficking. Ending human trafficking. So I'm really glad that these things are being brought to the awareness of the collective. The entire Great Awakening is about shining light into the darkness so that we can reveal all of the dark truths of our civilization and then overcome them because we cannot grow and move on as a human species until we overcome all of the darkness from our past. And the only way to find out about these dark histories is to shine the light. And Trump is allowing literally evil to show itself by backing it into a corner. And then it kicks and screams and we get to see all of the bad things that have been going on. And then we can choose as a civilization to say, okay, we will never go back to this type of behavior again. So the Save the Children awakening is one of the biggest things that we have to keep pushing because once we realize that there have been huge groups on our planet that have been using children for, for food, for energy, um, then we'll understand that there was a deep state involved and then we'll understand how deep 
this deep state really is. Well, yeah. That's, going yeah. all the way off planet. So the awakening is tied into so many things having to do with dark I think, topics. I think that's the most important part. I think everything is about covering up that. It's about protecting that and covering it up, keeping it secret and keeping it going, which is human trafficking, which is what the, you know, we're going to control the population at some point. We're going to go underground. And through our controlled population, we're going to be able to have as many babies as we want. Uh, we're going to be able to suck their blood. We're going to be able to harvest their organs. We're going to be able to prolong our life indefinitely through um, transhumanistic technology and, you know, obviously adrenochrome type human harvesting, uh, human trafficking type situation. So I think the whole deep state uh, Illuminati Freemason dominate the world thing is about a yeah population control and then yeah eating the population uh adrenochrome uh harvesting people and uh sex slavery stuff like that so it's a nasty dark underbelly that all these things are protecting um which is why i was so excited when i saw all the supposedly the deep underground military bases being hit so one of the questions i got is from tao lin it says have you ever seen the documentary plandemic and what did you think of that have you ever seen that? I've been avoiding new documentaries lately because I already know everything that's going to be in it. I, I sort of see the big picture of where it's all leading. I already know that there's a conspiracy. I don't want to watch it. It's like low vibration to me. Okay. So you avoid all... Have, did, you, did you watch Fall Cabal? No, I did not want to watch that because they said something really wrong about the Dalai Lama. And I'm tired of defending him. Because oh, okay. So actually, I've actually heard a lot about that. So you actually are a Dalai Lama defender. I'm trying to figure out the truth of that. Um, is that something you'd want to talk about real quick? Yeah, sure. So yeah, people, so, I've read things about that he was a CIA asset for a long time. I've, I've read that he's deep state. I've read a lot of things. Um, I've always thought, obviously, that he was a good person, right? You know what I mean? So what's your thoughts on that, on the Dalai Lama? You know, other people say that Terrence McKenna was also a CIA Asset, yes. Dalai Lama, uh, and all of these other really enlightening people, such as Timothy Leary, um, Ram Das. The truth is that you have these highly spiritual people who are trying to be manipulated by the deep state. So, Nixium tried to donate money to Dalai Lama's foundation or whatever foundation that he was promoting. These evil satanic pedophile groups were trying to give him money and then take pictures with him for whatever reason to either smear him or bring him down with them. And then people are trying to say that Dalai Lama supports these people. Dude, right. Dalai Lama has no, has no investment in evil. He's just a monk, a simple monk, and people are just giving him money. And he's gonna use this money to help the world throughout the entire, everything that he does. So for people to like get mad at him because he accidentally took money from evil people, like there's thousands of people giving him money every day. Do you think he knows? Well, yeah, that's the, that's, that's the thing I ridiculous. say about, yeah, about Elon Musk is the Ghislaine Maxwell, you know, like, well, maybe, you know, sometimes you're just a dude at a party and somebody wants to take a picture next to you. You know what I mean? Like, you don't know the person at all, but hey, I want to, hey, there's this famous person here. I want to take a picture with him. I want to, ooh, you know what I mean? So yeah, I totally can get that. And I hate that people rush to judgment. And so I wanted to, I'm glad you cleared that up with him because I had read that a lot, that he was uh, a stooge or, uh, you know, they put him there or yeah, he just does what they say. He takes the money or he's deep state. And because he was so influential back in the 60s and 70s, the CIA tried to get him 
to, uh, to do certain things to keep an eye on the Chinese deep state. So I don't know whether he was in direct contact with the CIA or doing sort of like, I don't know how it was, but he's just a simple monk and powerful groups always try to, uh, try to influence him, but uh, he's not going to do anything evil in, in t those types of terms. But maybe politically people may have some qualms with him because he is a political leader as well. And he is trying to, to unite and bring peace to the Tibetan area. And he is trying to bring justice for the Tibetan people who have been seriously destroyed by the Chinese deep state for, for so many years. But you have to think that the grand picture of, of this is that if we attacked, if we attacked the very people who are the holders of the teaching of the rainbow body, then I think that is the most evil thing you could ever do on this planet. Because without the teachings of enlightenment or the light body activation, then you literally are just going to be lost in samsara for eons and eons. So for the deep state groups to try to have these public photos taken with Dalai Lama, giving him money and then trying to have people smear him, I think that's just one of the devil's way of trying to bring down the entire ship right no and it does it does it well it does it creates doubt in your mind exactly and people are totally missing the point about the rainbow body teachings which tibetan buddhism leads directly into so for them to be distracted by evil people giving him money instead of studying the dharma and becoming a light body it just just one of the things that i, I i'm so tired of trying to explain to people on instagram when they message me and are so angry that I posted a picture of the Dalai Lama. That's, that's ridiculous. Well, I'm glad you cleared that up. Okay, so we'll move on to the next one here. Uh, thanks for answering some of these questions for the, from the audience here. Uh, let's see. What can we do? This is from Papa Fonzie. What can we do to detox and prepare for the solar flash? Any advice? The number one thing you should do is avoid fluoride. So drink natural spring water. Don't drink um, anything from the tap water. And you have to instantly change your, your body by maintaining a high vibe diet. And this means avoiding GMO foods, eating organic as much as you can, fruits and vegetables. Uh, it's really beneficial to make high nutritious um, smoothies in the morning. Green fruit and veggie smoothies in the morning have as, so much vitamins and nutrients that you need. Are you and you vegan? can probably go the whole day. I'm not vegan, but I eat vegan every day. I eat vegetarian every day. And I often eat fish and eggs, but I, I don't eat any meats anymore. And this is because I've been meditating for over 10 years. And the more you meditate, the less your body wants to take on heavier foods. So I cannot eat gluten anymore. So I have to avoid bread, pizza, cheese, dairy, all the really good stuff I used to love, cheeseburgers. I can't eat any of that stuff anymore. Yeah, so you're, 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 yeah, you're this to, thing. Yeah, you're just too, you're literally too, yeah, you're too light. Like you're not yeah, dense. Yeah, it's a gluten-free vegetarian diet is what I'm doing right now. And I drink smoothies every morning and that gives me all the nutrients I need for throughout the day. And then around lunch, um, you know, I can have something small or a solid meal. But a high-five diet is very important. And then meditation, you should always add meditation to your daily routine in any form. People feel guilty because all they had was 30 minutes of meditation or they forgot to meditate one day. It doesn't matter, just, just be mindful of meditation. Do it whenever you 
can remember. Like if you're sitting down and you just think about meditation, then just for that one, one or two seconds, the fact that you remembered that you need to meditate is already keeping your thoughts from wandering into other things. So that one moment of awareness that you need to meditate is already good. Just keep being aware of being aware. Awareness is meditation. That's more important than sitting down with your eyes closed, legs crossed. What's more important is keeping your consciousness calm and blissful, no matter where you are. And doing this many times throughout the day is much better than sitting for two hours at night at the end of the day. So whenever you can throughout the day, one second, five seconds, keep doing it whenever you remember. Just take five seconds, bring your awareness back to the present moment, and then carry on again. This will eventually build up and get more strong and powerful and more pronounced. And then you'll start to be living a true non-dual state of consciousness where nothing really affects you. And you're always in a state of equanimous blissfulness. And that's the whole point of enlightenment. That's the whole point of Dzogchen meditation and other non-dual teachings such as Zen and uh, the Tao. So practice in this way and don't get hard on yourself when you forget to meditate because forgetting is also part of the meditation because you remember at that moment to be aware. So that's important. Yeah. Uh, Here's some more comments and questions. Here's a funny comment. This is from Lindsay Dian333. This is funny. It's like somebody drew a picture of David Wilcock talking about your poster. You know what I mean? Like it's a joke. If you know oh my David, God, that'd be the greatest honor of my life. Thank you. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you know, if somebody took David, the insides of David Wilcock's mind and put it on a poster, that that's what it would be. Like your poster would be the inside of David Wilcock's mind. It's like somebody drew a picture of this. So Lindsay, that's a funny comment. I get it. Ha ha ha. Okay. So let's go on to some more funny comments. Okay. Here's another one. Mommy.health.fitness.makeup says, please don't come at me. So much going around about Joseph Gregory Hallett, the hidden king. Any thoughts or info on this? I've watched all documentaries. Very interesting to say the least. Anything on the new king? Oh man. I've heard rumors and I've had snippets of memes about it, but I have nothing to say. I don't know anything about it other than then. I don't even know if he's a good guy or bad guy. So somebody please teach me. I would love to know if there's a new king. Yeah, I do too. I've been, I, I, I grazed the subject matter, but it's too, it's too. Uh, I'll wait for Q to tell right, us. Right, exactly. It's too iffy for me to waste my time on it right now. Okay, another, here's another one. Our hollow oh, I wanted earth- to say something. Oh. If, if the Dalai Lama was evil, Q would have mentioned it already. That's a but good Q, point. Q only mentions the Pope and other, other dark people in, in the deep state. So there was no connection to uh, Dalai Lama or the Tibetan Buddhist um, groups. And uh, Well, Mother Teresa isn't looking so good. <laughs> Q will put you on blast, but he hasn't put the Dalai Lama or Tibet on blast, which is Yeah, amazing. that's true. Well, that makes sense when you're thinking about China and China being the seat of the new, you know, the, where the deep state wants to be going forward. Uh, let's see if there's anything else here that we haven't already addressed. A lot of these things we kind of talked about in our conversation. Um, yeah, let's see. What's your thought? You like cryptocurrency? Are you a crypto fan? I own crypto, but I don't follow it. Yeah. Do you own a it's lot of just, it or just like? I, no, I just, I own enough where I, I, I'm literally letting it hold. I haven't touched it for like seven years. I don't even know what, where it is. I don't, I don't want to know. I don't want to follow it. It's just too distracting of 
uh, a rabbit hole. I'd rather focus on my meditation practice every day. Yeah. Do you think JFK Jr. is alive? I have nothing to say about that topic. It's another rabbit hole that's just so deep and vast. I would rather be a Dzogchen yogi and prepare myself for escaping samsara. It's just funny you'll say that, but then you got a million things on this poster. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Out of the poster came my love for Dzogchen. So I had to go through that to find the non-dual teachings of Dzogchen. Yeah. Okay, here's another one. Are hollow earth and flat earth mutually exclusive? I don't know. I don't believe it. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I... Go ahead. True, but hollow earth, not in terms of like the earth is like a, like a ball inside, you know? Yeah. It's actually like a honeycomb. There's pockets of of vast caves and and remember i told you there was areas as big as texas right inside like pockets like honeycomb pockets within the earth and within the moon so sort of hollow in some way but the more accurate term is hollow hollow honeycomb earth and finally anunnaki you any thoughts on the anunnaki the anunnaki are ancient et beings who came to earth seeded the human genome with their DNA in order to make us a slave species so that we can help them mine gold is what a lot of people say. But I mean, there's probably more truth to that somewhere, but, uh, so, so yeah, if you want to learn about the story, yeah. if you want to learn about the Anunnaki, just watch ancient aliens or read Graham Hancock books and you'll get a really good entry into that entire rabbit hole. Well, yeah, you basically summed it up there, though. We did, they created us to mine gold. <laughs> I put a lot of topics on the map where it helps people research themselves into these rabbit holes. Like, I'll have Graham Hancock on there. I have the Anunnaki on there. But I won't really say much more because I think it's more important that people make their own research into these topics. Because even my research into these topics, like, sometimes they're just too dark. I won't go all the way. I'll just kind of, like, leave it out there for people to go deeper and then maybe teach me. So the Great Awakening map is literally a bunch of red pills and rabbit holes for you to go down yourself. Right. And even, my, even myself, I don't have the answers to the deepest, darkest rabbit holes. I just found the best ones that I could find that would help people see the big picture of reality and not have to suffer so much. Right. And I, you know, I appreciate that because it does give you little pockets to go into. And for me, it's, I like to deal with stuff that I can, which is why I like like X-22 report. He talks about the Fed and what's going on with Obamagate and the court system and stuff that you can quantify, look at, pull up on the news, kind of know it's real versus the far out stuff of, you know, the deep pockets of space where the AI demons add and, you know, the metaphysical <laughs> stuff and, uh, you know, Stuff that you can't, the average person can't just pull up and say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I try to stay with the earthbound stuff in terms of Trump, Q. But from any perspective I look at, the Great Awakening is happening. And so th that's the, all the questions from the uh, people on Instagram tonight. Thanks for that. And uh, so I want to do one more topic, I guess, and then we'll, we'll start to wrap it up. So we've got all these things going on underground in the earth. Antarctica's crazy. Um, we're, we're, we're shoulder to shoulder with aliens every day. I think all these things are just about to be released. Um, the deep state runs in a few places really big, right? We've got DC, London. One thing we haven't talked about in the, in the two episodes is Vatican, Vatican city. It's a, it's its own little blurb on your map here. It's its own little bubble and it's got all kinds of interesting things in and around it. 
one of the most interesting things I've always known as a historian, forget about the awakening stuff, forget about metaphysical and time travel. One thing as a historian I've known is the fantastic library that the Vatican has and keeps secret and only let certain people have access to. I don't even know if you have, oh, you do. It's a huge one. It says Vatican Library right there. So I guess we can start there with the Vatican Library. What's going on with the Vatican? Okay, when the uh, library was burned in Alexandria, um, a lot of that knowledge was secretly taken out and hidden. Um, was hidden from humankind for a long time. A lot of that information ended up in the Vatican Library. But that's just, just, just the surface. What's really underneath there are, it's like an entire deep underground military base that has these large areas where they hold ancient artifacts such as UFO technology, ET technology that they've gotten over the course of, uh, of time. And some of the whistleblowers that have gone down there um, they have seen technologies of of ET civilizations that contain, you know, like histories of their of their civilizations, of their of their worlds, of their lives, and there's um, there's like computers that that show all of these types of ET um, craft and ET uh, technologies. I'm I'm not sure how to explain it. It's like a database of like all of these secrets that have been hidden from mankind that they don't want us to know our true history. So to go down there, you have to have a very, very high, high clearance. And the only people who have been able to go down there are like sort of like deep state aerospace engineer kind of whistleblowers who have had to go down there to retrieve information about UFOs um, from different time periods in human history. So the type of information that I'm sharing are from the secret space program whistleblower. So that's all I know about what's really down there. But I think people really need to know that a lot of it has to do with extraterrestrial information and actual ET artifacts throughout time. Now you've got something interesting here. I thought it was the Rothschild that controlled the currency, but you say all money leads to Rome. And then it says the Vatican owns all the world currency. How is that so? I think throughout time, they've always had that type of power um, in terms of hoarding all of the, the money that comes from around the world, from all the taxes, from everything. And with that money, they build infrastructure throughout the earth, deep underground military bases, off-world bases. A lot of the secret space program uh, groups use, these, use this money to build their fleets of ships and because you have to remember the reptilians are always at the top of the pyramid and they are at the top of the Vatican as well. Yeah. So that's another thing about the Vatican reptile symbolism everywhere. Exactly. So with this money, they're building secret space program civilizations, breakaway civilizations throughout inner earth and off planet on the moon and Mars and beyond. So that's why all of the money leads to the Vatican, which eventually is taken over by these, um, by these secret space program aerospace corporations. They're known as the ICC, the Interplanetary Corporate Conglomerate. These are powerful corporations that operate off planet and they use the human labor, slave labor to create 
the bases, the ships, anything that they need in, in space for whatever they need, uh, for whatever the reptilians tell them <laughs> to build. You have to remember that reptilians are the ones controlling this entire game. And then you have to remember on top of that is the AI that's controlling them. So the AI thinks it's supposed to do all of these things, harvest babies, eat their blood for its sustenance. So we just have to get rid of the AI and the great solar flash is going to automatically do that. It's some sort of universal debug program. My friend wanted me to ask you, he's like, is the, is, is, is that, is that going to wipe out all the evil in the world? My friend wanted me to ask you that is the, when, as we pass through that, I guess, because it's not a, a, just a, a snap of light, right? It's a, it's a long event that we're passing through, right? Exactly, which is basically why all of the darkness is coming to light at this time. It's because this energy is getting denser and denser and denser. And then the point where it gets so dense, our sun is actually going to absorb and then release it in a series of flashes, not solar flares, okay? In, it's going to release it in a series of flashes, which is jumping the consciousness of all living things so a reptilian with a low vibrational consciousness cannot withstand these higher dimensional energies right which is why which is why we're ascending we're becoming more conscious we're becoming more woke that's, what, five, that's time, what 5d is right yeah at the yeah. same time the, the evil is getting worse and worse which is why it's coming to surface so we're seeing it already play out on a grand cosmic scale on a grand global scale it's just now we're waiting for that one event where it's going to be like a concentrated series of flashes that literally destroy evil, literally destroy lower vibrational conscious beings, such as the reptilians who are infested with this AI nanite that cannot survive the great solar flash. So, so it's already written into the cosmic DNA of every star, of every sun, that when it passes through this area of our galaxy, it charges up on this you can call it 5D energy, hyperdimensional energy. The sun charges up, releases these flashes. It eradicates all lower vibrational consciousness throughout the solar system. The reptilians can't stand it. They're, they're basically kicked off the planet or they basically dissolve. Who knows? But uh, it's a very biblical, very spiritual It is. It's event. like, uh, yeah, and it's like revelation. Really nobody knows what's going to it's going to look like not even God knows. And in the Bible, it's said that not, nobody's going to know. Okay. So we're just speculating from ancient prophecies and from ETs telling us what's going to happen. There's so many different stories, but they all corroborate. And they say that an event's going to happen. It's going to push earth into a higher new earth, a higher realm, a higher consciousness. All of the bad boys are going to be taken off and we're going to have a thousand years of peace. And in this thousand years of peace, people can choose to stay on planet, go to hyperdimensional realms, whatever you want. You're going to be an enlightened, ascended being because we're going to have 5D technology as well as 5D consciousness. So that means as an enlightened being, we also have enlightened technology and craft to take us anywhere we need to in the galaxy. Plus, we'll have open ET contact by then. We'll be interfacing with thousands of ET groups who are all enlightened beings. So it's going to be a literally thousand years of peace until any type of AI influence can return back into the solar system. Excellent. Well, I want to stay with the Vatican because there's one here I really want to talk about. I think 
This is also a time travel device, if I'm not mistaken. What's the Lucifer telescope? It is a telescope in space, or I'm not sure actually where it is, but it's named Lucifer. Like, that's already one red pill for people who don't right. believe the, <laughs> the evil. So they're, they're naming all of these things like Luciferian um, themes, as well as a lot of the statues and artwork at the Vatican having these reptilian or Luciferian themes. Uh, it just goes to show how invested the Vatican truly is in, in the darkness of, of occult rituals. Well, you know, the thing is, uh, when you look at the UN, you look at the World Health Organization, you think about the New World Order, and you look at something like the Vatican, and then you have the deep state. Yeah, you really can see that there's like a satanic network of like these deep state operatives in all these organizations. It's just, it really does exist. This is the, you know, this realm is, I guess, the devil's playground in some, in some sense, but... Uh, where did I read that the Vatican had a time machine? I've read that. I know I've read that somewhere. That the Pope was using some kind of time machine or time, like time looking device similar to Project Looking Glass. I'm sure they had that ability, but then it was taken away from them by either benevolent ETs or by the Secret Space Program Alliance or the Earth Alliance. There's so many stories about the deep state having this technology and then right. having it taken away from them. I guess or that's what maybe, it is then. Or maybe they just aren't able to use it anymore because of their state of consciousness that they're in. For sure. Now, just one more thing with the Vatican, and this is kind of outside the bubble. Who is Karen Hood's Hoodies? And then with the, the World Bank whistleblower and then Neil Keenan, a trillion dollar lawsuit. Who are those people? Okay, this is a really huge red pill um i'm talking about the neil keenan trillion dollar lawsuit because that has to do with nasara jasara i don't know if you know those terms yes um basically a, a re um financial a reset. Re, a reset of our currency as well as a sort of retribution of giving us back all of the money that was stolen from us from the deep state so basically trillions and trillions of dollars being released back to humanity and everybody having unlimited funds. It's something like that. But um, before we talk about that, Karen Hughes is just a lady who worked at the World Bank for many years, a very high level lady, just a you know typical worker. But she happened to come across very interesting information about the elongated skull humanoids who were seen working at the World Bank and at the Vatican. So she was a, a whistleblower, maybe, I think maybe five or six, seven years ago, she started to come out with this, this, uh, this information. But it was just so cool how typical people who are working at these deep state institutions were actually starting to see the truth of ET involvement, such as the elongated skull humanoids operating and running these huge world institutions such as World Bank, UN, WHO, you name it, like every single one has these deep state ET um, beings who are actually in control. And then above them, the reptilians, obviously. Yeah. So 
the Vatican is also a deep, a very powerful deep state hub in the network of the new world order. Um, let's see here. Well, I want to kind of end on a, on a, a lighthearted or spiritual vibe. I know we go through some of these things and they can lead down dark corridors and deep rabbit holes of nasty things. So let's talk a little bit about meditation, spirituality. Let's, what is the star? A lot of people are, are really confused about this. Sometimes I can myself be confused. Uh, what is the star Merkaba vehicle? Everybody has a light body. And a lot of beings who are ascended masters, they travel the cosmos in their light body. But for it to travel across vast distances, they have to turn themselves into the star Merkaba. So a lot of UFOs that we see in the sky at night that are lights, they're actually very fast vibrating spinning star Merkabas. They're actually light bodies of ascended beings, of ascended masters. And the star Merkaba is, is made of one tetrahedron pointing upwards and then another tetrahedron pointing downwards. So if you envision yourself in meditation, sitting in cross-legged position, if you imagine sitting inside a pyramid, okay, which is basically a tetrahedron, if you imagine this tetrahedron, tetrahedron pointing upwards, spinning 34 times the speed of light clockwise, and then you envision the tetrahedron pointing downwards, spinning 21 times the speed of light counterclockwise, this is how you activate your star Merkaba vehicle. And this is how people astral travel, astral project. And this is how light beings travel the cosmos. The ratio of 34 to 21 is the, is phi, is the golden mean, the golden ratio. So for some reason, this vibration allows them to basically enter the fractal of creation. And then they can just go to any location they want in the, in the universe. So 5D beings are basically us, a light being, and they can appear as a star Merkaba when they don't choose to show themselves in a bodily form, for, for, for instance. So this is a very advanced spiritual teaching, spiritual knowledge that, that most people come across when they get into metaphysical kind of stuff. Yeah, um, but then we don't know how to do it. Can you do it? There's a person named Drunvalo Melchizedek, which is on my map underneath the star Merkaba area. Yeah. He teaches this meditation that allows people to, I guess, astral travel, astral project in the Merkaba vehicle. Um, one way you can do this is on psychedelics. On, on psychedelics, you can sort of see the star Merkaba around you. I was able to kind of see something like this before. So, I mean, there's so many ways that you can learn about this. Um, I was doing a, an interview with Dan Fogler. He's a, He's a character in the Harry Potter film, Fantastic Beasts. So he always has me on his show and we talk about things on the map. And he brought me onto the show because when he went to see a psychic many years ago, living in, I think, New York, this psychic started placing crystals on his body. And he had never done anything like this in his life. But then when the psychic started to place crystals on his chakras, Immediately, when the last crystal went on to his third eye, he had these visions of this golden star Merkaba machine 
that was like spinning and vibrating and he couldn't figure out what it was. And the psychic was just, was just like, oh yeah, that's just your star Merkaba vehicle. And he didn't know what that was at the time. So he, he contacted me, told me the story and I was trying to help him figure out what it was. But it was fascinating that somebody who had never seen this before actually saw it activated when he went to go see the psychic. So the star Merkaba is very real. People do see it in different ways, different forms, depending on your, your higher self, what it wants to reveal to you in this lifetime. So the people who get to have the experience of the star Merkaba vehicle, these are people that should keep exploring it and trying to develop uh, the knowledge about it. I myself haven't actually successfully done the star Merkaba meditation, but I've been practicing it um, way in the past when I started awakening, I was really into this kind of stuff. But um, there probably will come a time again where I need to uh, try to learn about it and try to see if I can uh, do the meditation in a, in a more, I guess, beneficial way than just kind of messing around and seeing what it's really about. Yeah. Um, uh, your thing is always talking about the rainbow body and uh, the, the Dodgen? Dodgen. 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 There you go. Yeah, you're always talking about the doge and how's that working out for you lately well for my life now i've become a zogchen yogi so for the past two years i've been living in my own meditation retreat and i cannot stop talking about how amazing and how life-changing it has been for me um, to finally find this path i thought it would be really difficult i thought you'd have to be a monk living in tibet under some cave or something like that but it's something that everybody can practice. And the more you practice it, the more you are able to see the true non-dual nature of reality, which is a much quicker path to enlightenment than many other spiritual traditions that you'll find in the world. So if people are really into studying Dharma and they're really interested about the rainbow body, uh, the light body activation, then Dzogchen is the proper way to prepare your consciousness and your heart for such a life-changing event. I mean, everything in my life now is leading toward that one moment where I, I'm able to leave this earthly plane and never to return again to samsara. So for somebody like me who's a practitioner, this is a big deal. And I encourage everybody, no matter where you are, where you live, this is something that you can practice. It's something that you can actually at least learn and know about so that it's in your consciousness so that this seed can remain there and, and basically blossom throughout your life. You'll, you'll become more conscious about it. You'll become more conscious about the non-dual state of mind, about having peace at all times, no matter what type of situation you're in. It's, it's more than a meditation practice. It's, it's a constant state of awareness that you practice staying within. And it helps you raise your vibration. It helps you raise your consciousness. It helps you become more heart-centered, more heart-activated. It literally is the fastest way you can ascend during this time and not be batted down by all of the, the darkness. Well, yeah, that's crazy the thing. Yeah. On television in the world. So you know. It's basically the suit of armor that you want. So Christians will pray to God for their suit of armor. For myself as a Dharma practitioner, Dzogchen is our suit of armor. Uh, we can 
go through the great awakening and not ever be phased by any darkness that comes toward I us. I couldn't agree more. I think there's, I've been in psychedelic states where I'm like, well, it's possible that I could just have a, uh, you know, a funny awakening, a blissful awakening. You can dial into the reality where that, that's a possibility as opposed to some sadomasochistic awakening where I got to go through some brutal dark night of the soul and, you know, I'm going through World War III inner and outer reality. So I totally believe that you can totally, yeah, raise your vibration and dial in to a, an awakening of your own choice, which for my case is psychedelics, floating, smoking weed, making memes and telling the truth. And you, it's your own little thing there. Um, your own karmic, I guess, best disposition to choose your way out. Uh, let me ask you this. Is there free will? <laughs> Is there a free will within Dzogchen? In general, is there, let me ask you this. Let me put it this way. Is, do I have the free will to make choices or am I watching, am I, am I in awareness watching a movie that's already been filmed and I can't do anything uh, about it? You know what I mean? Like it's our, the movie's on the screen. As a director, I think I can stop the movie in the theater and say, no, 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 let's do this. But actually, nope, the movie's already in the can. It's being projected on a screen. All I can do is watch. What do you think about that? Are we able to control things or is it, are we predestined to go through things that are already, you know, we have no free will over? Uh, I'll, I'll tell you a few answers that are really interesting. If you ask somebody who studies the law of one, the law of one will say that the entire universe is biased toward love and light 51%. That means it's not half light, half darkness. The universe is actually biased toward love and light, 51% more. I would agree. If you ask an enlightened Buddha, the enlightened Buddha said that one time in the history of the entire universe, one time everybody will be enlightened. So this means that everything is constantly moving toward becoming enlightened, toward love and light. It's just that we don't see that because we're locked in time as humans and we cannot see the entirety of the cosmos at one unit. Yes. Like on psychedelics, you know, our consciousness is, is ejected into 5D, 6D, and we can see the timelessness of all things. We can, we can become every single particle throughout time and, and we can understand the timelessness of, of consciousness. But right now in this game of earth, we have to see the darkness in order to move toward the light. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing anything. We would just be comfortable in samsara, in our plushy condos with our you know, expensive Range Rovers. We wouldn't need, feel the need to want to escape samsara. It's, it's, it's an illusion of security and comfort that we're in here. So the 51% bias toward love and light is an amazing piece of metaphysical wisdom that everybody should think about because it always means that in the end good will always win it always means that that q and and all of this deep state battle it means that we're going to win i never worried about the outcome of what's going on right now well like well likewise you know when people say god wins and they're coming from a dualistic christian perspective i laugh like they're you know what i mean like well, we're going to beat the devil but it, ultimately, I, you know, that's why a lot of the fallout that's been happening with the Q stuff, I didn't get caught up in because I'm not putting Q above God or I'm not saying Q or Trump is God. I'm not counting on Trump or Q to save me. I'm the center of my own reality that's saving myself. So I don't, that's a byproduct of my own, I think, work, which is 
the outer reality is just mirroring my inner world. Let me ask you this. This is a question I get all the time. How do you reconcile looking at and knowing now things about adrenochrome? How do you tell somebody, oh, there's things like adrenochrome going on in the world, but uh, you know, you know, what do you do with that information when you're supposed to be love and light and you, and you can't go out there and stop it yourself? Like, do you choose your lane like I did, which is okay, I can only disseminate information here at this point. I don't, I'm not in the position to go out there and do anything else, but tell people about it. Like, what do you do with that from a, a, a spiritual perspective, knowing that your map is full of all kinds of things that lead people initially into very dark zones? How do you reconcile that? You always have to remember one day, every single person on this planet is going to die. But the moment of death determines whether or not you're going to be reborn again. So imagine taking yourself off of this planet and you're alone by yourself on some distant moon way out in the solar system and you'll never ever see humans again. And you're going to die tomorrow. You're not attached to earth anymore. All of the things going on don't even affect you. It's just you, yourself, your consciousness and, and death approaching you. The only option you have is to die without fear. And if you die, thinking about QAnon and the latest drops and adrenochrome and all this scary stuff, then that fear and that depression and that distraction is going to pull you into samsara again when you are reborn. Yes, and you may not even be lucky enough to be a human. You may be reborn as a lower conscious being because of all of the fear and hate that you've been harboring at your moment of death. So the best thing you sh everybody should always do is to understand that these things exist in our world and we're working on overcoming them. But at the same time, you have to be constantly equanimous in your consciousness of all things, good or bad, always be equanimous to all things and yes. just observe it. And then at the time of death, you will be able to pass over with a state of consciousness that is not grasping or pushing away at thoughts or scary things from your, from your past. This is the way to escape samsara. You'll be reborn in a higher realm. You'll be a higher being, or you may even return all the way back to source where you're just pure, infinite awareness. So I think that is the ultimate goal for everybody. And if we all focused on that, there would be no need for adrenochrome and, and child sacrificing and all of this stuff that happens because people are lost. People don't know about People don't know about future lives, for one thing. People don't know about consciousness. People don't know about the non-dual state of mind. They don't know about right. these teachings of Dharma that allow you to escape the need to sacrifice children and be lost in darkness. So that's one way I like to look at it. You know, it's interesting that you talked about, uh, you know, that moment of death. And I tell people, don't go into the light. Now, what I've kind of noticed here on the moon here is the moon is a soul catcher. It's a John Lear quote you have here on your poster. I have this theory that when you go into the light, that's the reincarnation machine. And if you're not aware, if you're not conscious at your time of death, if you're not, you know, you'll get sucked in un you know, unawareingly, uh, unconsciously, or yeah, your fear state has magnetized you back into it. But somehow, some way, you have to be aware of this trap, right? The soul catcher. Do you have any thoughts on the, the moon soul as a soul catcher in the, in the reincarnation machine or no? I'm not really sure 
how accurate that John Lear quote is, but I put it on my map because it was so life-changing to so many millions of people when they first heard it for the first time. And even for me, it was so unsettling when I first heard that lecture that he did about it. And then it kind of sort of stuck as, as this famous metaphysical quote of, of all of the type of new age information you get into, you know, that the moon is a soul catcher and you should avoid going into the light. But um, from studying the most experts of the death experience, the Tibetan Buddhists, a lot of them, a lot of them describe the bardo as a place where you have the option of choosing a rebirth or choosing to stay in more pure lands or hyperdimensional realms. And they talk about lights and darkness during the bardo stage of death. And it kind of seems that if you are grasping toward anything, if you're grasping toward the light or if you're grasping towards trying to stay away from the light, um, it can cause sort of karmic energy and you may end up being reborn somewhere again. Yeah. So from studying, I'm still studying about the Pure Lands and about the Bardo. And it's, it's something that I really, really put a lot of um, emphasis on as a Dzogchen Yogi. I really want to make sure that when I pass away, I understand what to do with my consciousness in the Bardo state. I want to make sure that I don't accidentally push away or try to go toward the light or try to try to reach for a certain pure land with it creating karma. So these are really advanced spiritual questions. I myself, I'm still looking for answers for. And basically, as a Dzogchen Yogi, I have a lot of time to study this further because it is one of the biggest topics of Tibetan Buddhism and of Dharma is how to navigate the bardo, how to navigate your consciousness after death. Yeah, you know, I sometimes feel like when I, I don't know how I incarnated in this life, why I chose to come here at this time, maybe it's to witness the great awakening, but I do feel like I made a deal with whoever sent me here. It's like, look, you better set me up the fucking float tanks and the DMT. I need a, I need a way to connect back to home real quick uh, because I'm going to go into a world that is so against that. So, you know, you know, competing for your mind with the internet and the phone you know, like the float tank is a counterbalance to the, all these things that are the modern world's hitting you with that you can't rest, you can't sleep, your, your, your sleep cycle's off because you got, you know, artificial light available 24 seven. You're laying in your phone looking, you're laying in bed looking at your phone at 2 a.m. I think the float center and, and, and the psychedelics, it's a way to connect back to God almost instantaneously. Uh, the takeaway from a, a super high dose psychedelic experience, I don't know what you believe in ultimately, but you'll believe in that there's realms outside of the one you're experiencing not on a psychedelic and that can take you a long way in terms of understanding and believing in some kind of higher power and even if it's initially some kind of hellish devil beast you know at least it's like okay it's like stanley kubrick says uh um movies about ghosts are actually good things because they give us you know hope for the you know afterlife that there's something at least something you know it's not just complete uh, oblivion and nothing infinite darkness so anyway, yeah, I feel like I made a deal here. I won't be coming da down to this hellhole if there's float tanks and psychedelics so I can get back. And then, yeah, people, I can connect with my people real quick and then get everybody back home. So, yeah, man, uh, 
amazing conversation tonight as always. I think we're going to start uh, working towards the end of the episode. So again, everybody that's been listening, I got this great poster, this great awakening poster. I've got it mounted and framed and I wake up and I look at it every morning and I think about all these things and it keeps me motivated and positive. And so I got the t-shirt too. I don't even want to wear, I don't even want to wear the t-shirt because it's so nice and I don't want to gunk it up with my sweat and living a life in it. I might have to buy an, another shirt just so I can wear this one. Um, I'll send also, you. Also, I'm, I don't, I don't, I, I hide the cue post. I hide the poster actually in my own little private area here because I feel like to put the poster out in the main lobby or something, not that I would be embarrassed of it or anything, but I feel like it would, I would endlessly answering questions. It would be, if you want something that, to, to talk about in your house, a conversation piece, just something to look at when you're stoned by yourself, just something to, yeah, just help you think about, uh, connect things actually, it, it, all, the, all these things it'll do. I do think, yeah, it's this massive download of cosmic information. It's this DMT mega meme. And, the, it's high quality stuff. It's some of the best. I buy. I bought a lot of stuff off people. And sorry for the long commercial here about his stuff, but you got to buy the shit. It's great. And I don't get. I don't give you guys that listen to commercials anyway, so you love it. Um, but anyway, all the stuff you're gonna buy in his website is super high quality. Um, again, I bought stuff from other people that do stuff like this online, meme makers that do pins and shirts and stuff. And this is some of the best quality stuff. Even me and my search for a double sided T shirt with all print on it, like he's got on his, I have not found a, as high quality of shirt as this. So champ, high quality stuff. The, the what is it? Greatawakeningmap.co is the website. Yes. Is there anything else you want to say or promote? <laughs> I think that people should uh, listen to our, our podcast. I also have a podcast. If people really want to listen to it, I have two episodes only. They can find it at anchor.fm slash champ Perinia. and i'm going to do the third episode very soon just what's the title right of the podcast what's the name of the show oh it's called art house 5d podcast art house 5d podcast i've been meaning to listen to it you've only got two episodes which is good um it, it does is it just you doing a monologue i'm just talking exactly yeah. also if people see my hyperdimensional artwork they can go to arthousecontemporary.com and then you'll see my basically uh you'll see a gallery of all of the the dmt inspired artwork that i was able to make over the past i think seven years or something like that um that was before my instagram before my great awakening map so you can kind of see how i progressed psychedelically into the great awakening map and then into instagram where i just post raw data about consciousness topics memes man i'll tell you it's uh, i i found like if, if we had a show you would be like we would be like co-host um it's always great talking to you thanks again again it's the great awakening map right it's got everything you need the great solar flash everything that's happening q uh aliens psychedelics all the crazy stuff going on all the planets, everything you can imagine. It's the greatest conspiracy theory slash awakening poster you'll ever find. Go check it out. Champ, thanks again. Great awakening. Five.